Good morning, Chapel Hill. Hey, before we dive into the message this morning, um, I just want to um, just give a little nod to something that happened last Sunday, and it seems like this past week was a blur, and this seems so far back, but that was the last time I saw you guys. Um, so last Sunday evening, we had our baptism service here, and um, I just got to tell you, if, if, if you weren't here, let me tell you what happened. Um, we came in, the staff, in the afternoon, and, and we set up a, a nice little intimate setting um, that went about halfway back in here. We had tables set out, and we were all around tables. The tables were decorated, and everything was set to go with this little half right here, and, and all the focus was over here. And um, by the time we got started, we had pulled out every table that we own, and we had chairs pulled out, random chairs thrown all over the place. It looked like a madhouse in here. We had about 225 people in this room for a baptism service. <clears throat> now, I got to tell you, it was exciting. It was so fun to see that happen here, just to see the support that came the, the crowd of people that came out to cheer on these 11 individuals who got baptized. And um, there, there were some amazing moments. Um, the first round of baptisms that we did, we kind of did them in phases, were um, three elementary age school girls that got baptized. And, um, and I was back behind stage. There's, by the way, there's a baptistry behind that corner in case you, you're wondering why I'm pointing over here. Um, there's, there's a tub in there. And... Um, Behind that are stairs backstage that go up into the baptistry, and, um, and here spontaneously are these three little girls um, who quickly huddled on the stairs, sat down and huddled and prayed together before they got baptized. There were just moments like that that happened all through the night, and one of their friends came backstage beforehand to pray for them before they got baptized. I mean, there were just these amazing moments that happened all throughout the evening, and it was just a, an incredible God-honoring moment, and um, it, was, it was a beautiful um, reminder of the impact of the gospel and what it means when, when people want to celebrate what Christ has done for them. And family and friends show up, and there's so much truth in, in what's being portrayed and what's being spoken of and all the testimonies that are being told and, and all these things. It was just a, a remarkable um, evening. It was, it was great. So um, thank you for being a part of that and for praying for that and supporting those who got baptized. I mean, just a, a great celebration last week. All right, we have been talking for a while now about the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. We're seeing things that we haven't seen before, and hopefully the value or the worth of the kingdom is increasing in us daily. And my prayer as your pastor is that we truly put God's kingdom first in our lives. Jesus told us to pursue it first and give it the highest place in our lives. Something that I love about this journey that we're on is, is the way that my pursuit, my personal pursuit of God has gotten a lot more meaningful during this time. Um, I didn't have this perspective before starting this series of messages with you. I, I pursued God. There's no question about that. I mean, you should be ashamed if I wasn't. Um, I followed Jesus. I sought the filling of God's Spirit in my life in as many ways as possible, but somehow things look different now. Even for me, they look different. And this morning, I'm going to show you a little, little of what I mean by that. 
Jesus said to seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness. And he said the kingdom of God first. This is more than just seeking the king. The king has a kingdom. The king is calling us to pursue his kingdom first. And that certainly includes the king, but it goes way beyond just pursuing the king. He wants us to see him, but he wants us to see his kingdom as well. And so let's look at it this way for a moment. On the screen is my dream home. Um, I'd like to live in that castle. I've always liked castles. Now imagine the castle on the screen to be a kingdom. Not the kingdom of heaven. We don't have a screen big enough to show that kingdom. But see this castle as a kingdom. Somewhere inside is the king on his throne. But the kingdom is more than just the king on his throne. The king is in charge of the whole thing and he works nonstop for his subjects to provide for them and protect them. But there's more. I want us to see more than the king right now. What's happening in this kingdom? How does it operate? What goes on there? How do the subjects of the kingdom relate to each other? How is this kingdom protected? How does this kingdom's government function? What are its laws and regulations? Who are the enemies of this kingdom and what kind of threat do they pose? What is this kingdom known for? If I asked one of the subjects in this kingdom to describe life in the kingdom, what would they say? How do families live in this kingdom? What does marriage mean to the kingdom? How are the elderly treated here? What about children? How are the poor cared for? Are strangers welcome here? How does this kingdom view the people outside the kingdom? How do the people of this kingdom treat their king? Then I could go on. But the point that I'm trying to make is that this kingdom is bigger than we may think at first. It's not just about the king. It's not just about the castle. It's about the people and the way of life and the mission of the kingdom and the values of the kingdom and the way this kingdom operates in every way, in every corner, in every home, in every aspect. Jesus asks us to seek the kingdom of God. And he adds that we're to seek all God's righteousness as well. What is life in the kingdom the way God intends it to be? What is God's design for his kingdom? And we're being called to see and to seek the whole thing. There is a king, but there's more. I want us to see more. I want us to embrace and commit to more. I want us to see and seek and commit to the whole kingdom God is leading us to move this generation from culture to kingdom. We have to see the kingdom. We have to value the kingdom. We have to seek it first and then offer it to the world around us. Every person that we meet needs this kingdom. If they are not in the kingdom, they are extremely vulnerable to what happens outside the kingdom walls. So let's keep growing in our understanding of the kingdom of heaven and what it is that we're offering people. Jesus had a message for the world when he walked among us. In the book of Matthew, we see evidence of this more than once. In Matthew 4.17, we see this. Matthew writes, From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry time. 
He had just been tempted by Satan in the wilderness. Forty days and nights he had fasted, and then the temptations were thrown at him, all of which he overcame. He was ready, and so he began letting the people know that the kingdom of heaven was at hand. He called his disciples, inviting them to follow him. And then in verse 23 of Matthew 4, it says this, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. The kingdom had a gospel. There was good news to spread. That's what gospel means. Jesus had the good news of the kingdom to spread everywhere that he went. And if we were to walk through everything Jesus said in Matthew this morning, we'd hear him speak of a kingdom, painting a picture of life in the kingdom, the kinds of things that we talked about when we were looking at the picture of my castle. When Jesus used the word kingdom, it was received by many in a very specific way. Just 60 years before the time of Jesus, the kingdom of Israel had been defeated by the Romans. The Israelites had a history of being overthrown and then recovering and being overthrown again. And at the time of Jesus, they were living under the rule and reign of someone else's kingdom. So when they heard the word kingdom, they listened. They wanted their kingdom restored. They were waiting for the promised leader, for someone they thought would lead them in battle against the Romans and defeat them. But this was not how Jesus was going to do things. Jesus' message was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Put the word repent with the word kingdom, and you have to see what's being said here. Repent means to turn around, to go the other way. Regarding their kingdom and their desire for that kingdom to regain its dominion, they were viewing it all wrong. Military power was not going to fix the problem. So Jesus tells them to repent, Turn around from that pursuit, from that mindset. The kingdom of heaven is going to look much, much different. History and prophecy set all this up. This was not going to be a military battle. If we go back to Matthew 4, we'll see this. In verse 16, the prophecy of Isaiah is mentioned. And Jesus was fulfilling that prophecy in the location that he came from, which is mentioned in verse 15, but also in the content of, of his message, what it was all about. This is what he brought with him. This is Matthew 4, 16. It says, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light, and for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. That's a different message than military overthrow. This is about light. The message of the kingdom had to do with light coming into the darkness. It's a different kind of overthrow, but it's still an overthrow. Light conquers darkness every time. And we are suddenly entering the Christmas season now. The arrival of Jesus was an answer to all the prophecies about that light coming into the darkness. This is one of the most commonly quoted prophecies about the arrival of Jesus. It follows Isaiah's words in Isaiah 9, verse 2, which is quoted in Matthew 4, 16. That light was the kingdom of God. So let's talk about that message, the message of the kingdom. The nation of Israel was looking to fight darkness with darkness. They were aware that the Romans represented the darkness in the world. 
Caesar had declared himself to be God. The Romans were not seeking God's kingdom. They were seeking their own kingdom. The Israelites wanted a ruler that would lead them in defeating that Roman kingdom. That was not what God had in mind for them. He was not going to have his people fight darkness with darkness. And hang on to that idea. God's not inviting us to fight darkness with darkness either. More about that in a little bit. But repent, Jesus said. Repent. Turn around. Leave the road you're on. This is not how we're going to do things. See the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. The kingdom is bringing you something that far surpasses your plans to overthrow and rule. There's a much bigger picture here. And Jesus said, I'll show it to you. There was quite a collision taking place here. It wasn't just a collision between God's kingdom and the kingdom that the Israelites thought they had. It wasn't just a collision between God's kingdom and the kingdom of this world. It was both and more. This was new and by far, somewhat illogically, the greatest kingdom that the world had ever seen and ever would see. But they were going to have a hard time seeing it, just like we do. We have a hard time seeing it ourselves, but we're going to keep working on that as we continue in the messages in the days ahead. So to do so, let's look at the characteristics of the kingdom that we've looked at together and how they apply to this, this truth that we're talking about here. Because we have been given some instructions by Jesus about this message of the kingdom, about the gospel. And these instructions have been misunderstood and they've been simplified far too much over the centuries that followed Jesus. And that's brought us to where we are today. In Matthew 10, Jesus sent his disciples out to carry on his mission in the world. He sent them to Israel to proclaim the kingdom among them like he had been doing. He said... And proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again, reference to the kingdom of heaven. Later, when they asked him about the end of time or the end of the age, Jesus told them about some of what would happen, including this. He said in Matthew 24, 14, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, I've heard since I was a little kid that Jesus will come back when the gospel has been preached to all nations. And I'm one of those people who would like to see the end come sooner rather than later. I would love to see us get the job done. But at least until today, the job isn't done. There are still people out there that God wants to reach with his gospel, with his good news of the kingdom of heaven. And so this gospel... The picture that I have of this word is changing for me as well. The word gospel. We've always seen it as the message of what Jesus did for us. And it is. But just like the kingdom is bigger than just the king, so it is with the gospel. The gospel of the kingdom is bigger than I've always thought. The treasure is more valuable than I've always thought it to be. The message is broader What we have to offer this world is so much more meaningful than I've ever seen before. And so let's look at that and let me explain what I mean here. In Matthew 13, 44, we looked at what Jesus had to say about the kingdom being like a treasure 
hidden in a field. Jesus said it was so valuable that anyone who found it would sell everything they had just to get it. We've talked about that a lot in this series. How valuable is the kingdom? Well, how valuable is reconciliation with God? What price tag can you put on salvation? Isn't there some worth to forgiveness, grace, mercy, peace, joy, eternal hope, a forever family? How about seeing the fruit of God's Spirit developing your life? Do you find value in being made into a new creation, being given a new identity, receiving new power and new perspective? Maybe this one is enough to make this an invaluable treasure, the presence of God in your life 24-7. Now, of course, I would sell everything to get this kingdom. But honestly, what I have to sell really isn't worth that much when compared to the value of the kingdom. So maybe I need to look beyond my possessions. I'm willing to give up my rights, my will, my plans, my future, even my family. All of it. That's how valuable the treasure is. Church, the world needs to know about this treasure. Those living in darkness could really use this light in their lives, couldn't they? The light will defeat the dark kingdom that they live under. What a treasure. That's the gospel of the kingdom. We looked at a parable about a sower who sowed seeds which fell on various types of soil. Some of that seed didn't make it. But some of it produced a harvest, 30, 60, or 100-fold. The gospel of the kingdom invites us to lives that are are lived working towards eternity, not towards death. Lives that flourish. The gospel of the kingdom changes our perspective from temporary to eternal. We can't let go. We can let go now of the the life-short, get-what-you-can mentality. We're being invited to produce something with our lives that will last forever. Our lives can now count towards something much, much bigger. That's the gospel of the kingdom. We looked at another strange parable about some weeds that were planted in a wheat field to sabotage the wheat farmer. This kingdom gospel includes the reality that we face opposition in this world. But as we live surrounded by opposition, we can overcome that opposition. This aspect of the gospel of the kingdom helps us make sense of what's happening all around us. This past week was a a powerful reminder of this for me. I still to this moment feel the, the heaviness of the things that I encountered this past week. I had conversations with people that reminded me of the presence of opposition in our world. This world is the enemy's kingdom, but just for now. The conversations that I had about abuse and depression and betrayal and more were real life in my face reminders that we will live among this for a while. But this kingdom parable also tells us that there will be an end to the battle That's hopeful. That's the gospel of the kingdom. 
We looked at a very encouraging parable about a mustard seed that grew into a a mighty tree that provided security for the birds to nest in its branches. There's power in that seed. No matter how small it may be to start, the gospel of the kingdom will grow into a strong, resilient tree that will bring shelter and strength to our lives. Your life will be a demonstration of the power of the kingdom for many, many others. That's the gospel of the kingdom. We talked about leaven. The kingdom is like leaven that spreads and influences every corner of your life. The gospel of the kingdom isn't just assigned to your religious life, your religious box. It isn't merely a crutch for your emotions. It influences your spiritual, emotional, intellectual, physical, relational, communal, vocational, waking and sleeping lives. The kingdom has the power to transform any of these into its likeness and to give each area the ability to affect other areas and other people. That's the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is like a net that was cast wide and gathered in all kinds of fish. We learned about the extent of the history involved in the kingdom. The kingdom goes way back. This was all part of God's plan, his kingdom. We may not be able to truly grasp it, but Jesus brought with him a kingdom gospel that opened the kingdom to the whole world. It removed the separation between Jew and Gentile. And now because of the inclusiveness of that kingdom gospel, I've been invited in. It's ours to choose. But it's available to every one of us. That's the gospel of the kingdom. We looked at the unexpected nature of the order of the kingdom. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Well, those who sit in high places and believe that they are entitled to the kingdom may struggle with this. Those of us that don't come from those high places are overwhelmed with thanksgiving for this reality. My lack of status and power and pedigree don't define me. To the tax collectors and prostitutes, to the sinners and the least of these, find hope here. There's a spot for you at the head table, the place of honor, the front of the line. That's the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom comes with a perfect king. How many people do you know, and you may be one of them, who have been let down by leaders in their lives? Maybe their parents failed. Maybe they work for a terrible boss. Maybe they've been let down by church leadership. Maybe they were shamed by a teacher. Maybe they were told that they won't amount to anything. Maybe they've been taken advantage of. Maybe they've been overlooked, undervalued, used, slandered. There's hope. The kingdom has a perfect king. And he's king, father, Lord and friend. He is everything they need. That's the gospel of the kingdom. And we looked at the power and promises of the kingdom last week. The kingdom has limitless power to protect you, to guide you, to equip you and provide for you. Jesus said that as we seek the kingdom first, he will take care of all of our needs. The kingdom comes with promises The king makes promises that he will never, ever break. How many in this world need to have someone in their lives who never breaks his promises? 
That's the gospel of the kingdom. The more I understand the kingdom, the more value it has to me. The more value it has to me, the more value I see it having to the people around me. Jesus invited you and me along with his disciples back when he walked the earth to join him in spreading the gospel of the kingdom. We're to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom until he comes back. Why? Because it's our religious obligation? No, because it's the very thing that he came to proclaim and being made in his likeness and being transformed into his likeness, it's the very thing that we're to proclaim for the love of the people around us and because it's the very thing that saved our lives. The opportunity to proclaim this gospel of the kingdom is all around us, but we, like the nation of Israel, are being warned against fighting darkness with darkness. We have the light, and the light has come into the world, and the light will overcome the darkness. I do believe that there's a risk that faces us of wrongly fighting darkness with darkness and expecting the kingdom to come in a way that doesn't line up with what we see from Jesus. I see this risk in the arena of argument and opinion that surrounds us. And what we're going to do in the months ahead is equip ourselves with the gospel of the kingdom to fight darkness with light. Uh, the week before last, I was presented with a, a great example of how this can happen, and I've been anxious to tell you about it. Um, here's how this went down, and this just excites me. Um, months ago, uh, I, I opened one of my junk mail mailings, and a lot of them just go straight to recycling, but occasionally I'll, there will be something on the, the envelope that catches my attention, and I'll open it up and read through it. And I happen to read um, a, a newsletter from a group called the Minnesota Family Council. And the Minnesota Family Council is an organization that is fighting the battle um, within the realm of politics to keep a voice of truth in the conversation. Uh, they're working tirelessly to make sure that there's someone there representing biblical truth when laws are being made and politicians are talking and they're, they're doing a great job of, of representing God's church on behalf of the church and on behalf of Jesus. And this letter talked about a, a, a resource that they had put out um, about a specific topic, a relevant topic, and it caught my attention. I won't go into that. That's a whole rabbit trail. But I, I got, attention was drawn about this paper that they had published, and, and I ordered it and went through it, and I found it to be extremely helpful, and I got several more copies, and um, some of you have received those, and, and so um, I was kind of keeping my eye on their junk mail um, to see what else was coming, and then all of a sudden one day I got a note about a community event that they were doing to connect themselves to the community a little more and make the, the church and the community more aware of who they are and what they're doing, and they just happened to be holding this community connection event at Jensen Lake right down the road here. And so I noticed that, and I asked our office staff if they would reach out to Minnesota Family Council and just let them know, hey, we're right next door. 
If you need <clears throat> extra parking, overflow parking, or if you need some help with this picnic, this community event, let us know. We would love to help out. Well, the event got canceled because of weather. But the, the guy, his name's Jeff, the guy who works as their church relations guy for Minnesota Family Council, saw this and went, really? That's kind of cool that a church would just step up and offer that without even being asked. And, and so he said, I've, I need to meet this pastor. And so he had his secretary get a hold of, of me and, and we ended up going back and forth and we finally got a chance to sit down. I got a chance to meet him. And instantly I have, I have a new friend and his name's Jeff. And um, I'm excited about him as my new friend um, because he has this tremendous, this tremendous influence on me. Like right off the bat, he and I hit it off. And, and part of it is because we're both pastors. Um, but what Jeff is doing for Minnesota Family Council is, just staggers my mind and it's so cool. Um, he has been put on full-time loan from his church to Minnesota Family Council. And what Jeff does is during the, the session where lawmakers are in session, like spring, there's another one coming up, at the, at the Capitol in St. Paul, the lawmakers will be in session, place will be full of politicians, they'll be going back and forth about different bills and different laws and all this stuff. And um, Jeff, believe it or not, has access to the halls of the state capitol. And what Jeff does is he walks the halls of the state capitol. He sees a politician, he introduces himself, and simply says, I'm here to support you. If there's anything that you'd like me to pray for, for you, just let me know and I'll pray with you. Now, there are politicians that go, Let's just cut to it. What's your angle? What do you want? Do you want support for your church? Do you want to, to leverage me regarding some specific bill? And over and over again, Jeff goes, nope. I'm just here to let you know that God cares about our leaders. And I'm here to pray for you and with you. And he enters into these really creative conversations where He'll ask them as the conversation moves and they're receiving him. He'll ask them, tell me what gets you excited. What do you get fired up about? And regardless of where they are politically, they share that passion with him. He goes, can I pray for that? And he says, tell me what you struggle with. What weighs you down? What's heavy on your heart as you carry out your role here in our government? And that opens up some amazing things and Jeff sits and prays with these politicians and he has access to just about everybody. There's certain levels that he doesn't have access to but he has sat with Angie Craig and he's sat with others and he's done this with them. And the light has shone brightly in those moments. He sits with politicians who go in to fight for a bill that they believe in, get beat up on the floor, come out completely destroyed and broken, and Jeff's there. He says, can I pray for you? Can I encourage you? He's become such a, 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 a fixture in the state capitol that last year, during the spring session, the head of security came intentionally to find Jeff. He says, Jeff, we need you. And he called Jeff to, 
the floor where everything was happening, and Jeff doesn't go in there, but he says, Jeff, there's a, there's a father in here who came to talk about the hands-free driving bill because his son was killed by a distracted driver. This dad had just gotten crushed. And he had completely broken down. And so a note was sent in to this guy saying, there's a pastor out here that's willing to sit and pray with you and encourage you. The guy came out right away, and Jeff had an opportunity to minister to him. These kinds of things happen over and over and over again for him. And you cannot believe how much my new friend Jeff lights up when he talks about this. He says, I can't believe this. Can you believe that God has done this? And it happens over and over again. He says, Paul, he says, think about this. He says, you're a pastor. You do what you do because you're concerned about people. You're concerned about the welfare of people. He says, now listen, most of the politicians that I meet are doing what they're doing because of their concern for the welfare of the people. He says, that's not so different than when we sit down with them and we exchange stories and talk about what's important to us. The door opens. He says, Paul, they're not listening to the protesters out on the steps of the Capitol, but they'll listen to a pastor who comes in and says, God cares about the leadership of our nation. I'm here to support and encourage and pray for you. Now that is bringing light into the darkness, isn't it? This spring, I'm going with him. And I can't wait. I can't wait to have that influence. Those opportunities, that thrills me. Because I believe this is where Jesus is leading us. This is what he's teaching us. Not to stand and fight, but to find that Jesus back door. We come in and bring light into the darkness. And I can't wait to do this. He says, Paul, he says, I've had a few pastors go with me. And, and he says, now there are some politicians where, he says, I walk into their office and they look at me and smile and they say, Jeff, who'd you bring with you today? And then they grill the pastors. <laughs> and honestly, I can't do a lot on a large scale to affect the political leadership of our state. I can't even vote. I'm Canadian. (laughs) But the very fact that I could be welcomed into the state capitol and sit with politicians and pray for them and encourage them and let God's light shine through me Is there anything that God can't do? This is where we're going. Where are we bringing the light into the darkness? Listen, with Jesus, the light came in a tiny livestock stable outside of Bethlehem. 
And then the light exploded into the world, not from a big throne in a big castle, but from a criminal's cross. And the world was never the same. This morning we're going to share communion together and we're going to remember the platform for the gospel of the kingdom. We're going to remember the cross, an unlikely platform. Jesus was lifted up, but not in the way that we would have predicted or even hoped for, for the coming king. Today, let's welcome the king. Let's lift him up. This is the gospel of the kingdom. God sacrificed his only son to save you and me and to make his kingdom known to the whole world. And so may his kingdom come in our lives and through our lives as we proclaim the good news, the gospel of the kingdom that cannot be stopped, that cannot be overtaken, and that will last forever. That's the gospel of the kingdom. I'm going to invite our elders to come up now and prepare to serve communion, and Matt's going to come and lead us into a time of reflection and meditation as we prepare ourselves to come to the table. And I ask that you would prepare yourselves. I ask that right now you would open yourself up to the message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom and what it means to you, the value of the treasure that is the kingdom and how valuable it is to you. Think about the cost that it came with. Because God saw infinite value in you and me. So come ready to remember the sacrifice that God made of his son, Jesus, whose body was given over for us. He, he took our place. He took the beating for us. He took the punishment, paid the price for our sin. Remember his blood that was shed for the forgiveness of our sins to make us whole and clean and righteous before God again, reconciled to God. Not to just stop there. but to make us fit citizens of God's kingdom where we reflect that kingdom to the world around us and we proclaim the message of the kingdom to the world around us. Come with thanksgiving on your hearts. I know you're thanksgiving out this week, right? You've given thanks for so many things. Let's add this to it. Let's put it at the top. Give thanks to God for the gospel of the kingdom a message that's been proclaimed to you and to me, a message that saved us and prepared us for what God has for us. Will you pray with me? Father, I do thank you that um, you've, you've given us this opportunity as a church to, to walk through a look at the picture that Jesus painted of your kingdom. And I thank you for opening our eyes and our minds to see more than we've ever seen before probably and, 
and to have it influence us in every way. And God, this opportunity has been so good for us. I pray, Lord, that everyone in this room, every member of this church and of your church would receive the truth of the gospel of the kingdom fully, readily, and that we would embrace that truth, that we would live by that truth, that we would stand firm on that truth, and from there reach out in love to the world around us with the message of the kingdom. God, we thank you this morning for the reminder of of how your kingdom came and how the king was lifted up not on a throne but on a cross and how that changed everything forever thank you for the body of Jesus Christ we thank you for the blood of Jesus Christ as we come now to partake in that together will you just remind us of what you've done for us make it fresh to us today Make it real to every aspect of our lives. We are your children, servants and slaves, subjects to the king in your kingdom. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.